0: You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again. Welcome to episode seven of Shim, Spider, and so much more. A day later than usual due to various commitments. We are on Twitter, of course, and on Facebook. We've also got a YouTube channel now. In case you haven't realized, please uh, seek us out and subscribe. We've only just launched it. Uh, We've got lots of clips and various things coming up on that uh, particular channel. So uh, have a look for us. Uh, today, we have a big show coming up. Liam Reddy is our special guest. We've got another $100 meal voucher to give away, courtesy of Outback Steakhouse, and all in the company of everyone's favourite, Scossie, that's a mixture between Scotland and Australia, Craig Moore, and a man with a wingspan so big, they did consider making the goals bigger, Zalco Calat.
1: So good to see you boys. How are you both? We're well. I'm well anyway, but how's your hammy?
0: Oh, my hammy's gone. <laughs> hey,
1: That'll teach you for going uh, for a gallop
0: when you can't gallop. 52 years of age, I decided I was going to make a comeback for the Abbotsford juniors, and I played <laughs> literally 10 minutes and pop, the hamstring's gone. Pop or ping? I, I think it was both. <laughs> it's completely gone. So I've got a scan tomorrow. That'll teach me. Um, Maury, talking of um, doing things at a, an older age, <laughs> you've been on Champions <laughs> League... Duty with me for Optus Sport. Bit dusty you looked on some of those early mornings,
2: mate. Oh, mate. I'll tell you what. Like I said, normally I'm used to getting in at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) But, mate, trying to get up at 2.30. That's that in-between time, Simon. You know, 5 o'clock, okay. 2.30 was hurting me, I've got to be honest. Uh, Drive up to Brisbane. But, look, uh, the the bonus was that we're obviously covering some fantastic matches. Followed PSG through their quarters and and the, the semi-final. Also, uh, Sevilla and Inter Milan. Sevilla won the, the, the title for the sixth time uh, against an Inter Milan team who probably didn't fire. But you know all about it, mate, because you were calling all the games as well.
0: You're jumping ahead in the rundown here, Maury, but uh, you're absolutely right. Um, it was a terrific week's entertainment, wasn't it? And we'll talk a bit more about the hub idea uh, and the Champions League and, indeed, the Europa League a little bit later on. And, and Spider, you've even brought in your little memento, which we're going to show on Twitter and Facebook and on YouTube, your mini European Cup and your winner's medal that you got for AC Milan back in 2007. Great mementos to have. Yeah,
1: brilliant. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy to get because my it's in my son's room, so <laughs> hopefully a little bit inspirational for him. But he was like, what do you want with it? Where, where, where <laughs> are you going with it? I said, hang on, you do know I won it. It is mine. I, I can take <laughs> it back. So it wasn't easy, but... Uh, As long as it's back this afternoon, he'll be happy.
0: I'm just pleased that a City boy has managed to get his hands on it at least once this season. (laughs) Let's get on with it then. First up, Simon Says. Simon Says. Yeah, two big appointments this week to discuss. First of all, the new Technical Director of FFA, Trevor Morgan. Secondly, the Head of Marketing, Communications and Corporate Affairs, Peter Philopoulos, both appointed in the last couple of weeks. So Trevor Morgan takes over a job that is something of a poison chalice. And I'm not sure whether it should be of concern that he's been appointed only on an interim basis to start off with. He will be supported by Ron Smith, who's taken the role of technical consultant. Now, I doubt whether few will question Trevor's credentials. He led the Joeys to the Under-17 World Cup, where, of course, they reached the round of 16. And he's been charged with the establishment of a national football calendar a review of the national curriculum, pathways, competitions, coach development, and participation. It's a pretty wide brief, and anyone who read Departing TD Rob Sherman's withering assessment of the landscape in Australia, it's going to be a rather challenging one. Now, Sherman's main complaint was that the game operates in what he calls silos, individual fiefdoms who look after their own particular piece of the pie. Now, strangely enough, I was listening this week to an old interview with Tommy Doherty, with former commentator Mike Hill, no relation to me, incidentally, all the way back from 1981. Tommy Doherty was asked what the biggest problem in the game here was, and he said it was the officials who only look at their own clubs, their own environment, and pay scant regard to the bigger picture. That was 1981. Plus, a change. Sherman said this on LinkedIn. The dominant political, bureaucratic, and administrative mindset is focused on revenue and making money which in itself is not a bad thing, so long as the football direction is clear. That direction needs to be set by technical experts, and quite simply, it is not. Instead, we have a culture that focuses on appeasing boards and convincing the stakeholders and media of what a good job they're doing, all in an effort to hold onto their position and their power. It's a pretty damning assessment, isn't it? Have things changed? Do things still need to be replicated by nine in the year 2020? Trevor is brilliantly credentialed, and Ron, as we all know, is one of the godfathers of development in this country. If they are free to set strategy and back to the hilt, then maybe a brighter future lies ahead. If not, then we'll surely be looking for yet another TD to follow in the footsteps of Sherman, Eric Abrams, Han Berger, Rob Barn, all of whom complained in, sh- in some shape or form about the same issues. Similarly, Pete Philopoulos becomes the FFA's first head of media marketing and comms, since John Kent left in July 2018, that it's taken two years to find a replacement probably tells its own story. Pete, the same as Trevor and Ron, is a football man and well-credentialed. His final act as CEO of Football Victoria was to help deliver a $4.9 million revamp of facilities via a grant from the Victorian government to the World Game Facilities Fund. So he will have his work cut out with essentially three jobs in one. Now, I don't pretend to be an expert in marketing, but I do know that in a media sense, the game has never been at a lower ebb. As we've remarked upon previously on this podcast, the numbers of pure football media left in the mainstream is down to single figures, and there is hostility from the non-football media towards a sport that has not delivered on its investment by Fox Sports in particular. I wish all three men the very best of luck. I dare say they will need it.
1: What say you, Maury and Spider? Well, for me, it's a positive. At least there's some appointments there. Uh, look, I know Trevor Morgan quite well. He'll take the job very seriously. And the bright side for me is is that we have Australians back in charge in positions that actually know the landscape of the game. So, it's a big job. The TD job is a big job. Uh, but I'm sure Trevor and Smudger will uh, put their brains together and do the right thing for Australian football. Maury?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, look... Uh... Financially, there's a lot of issues uh, that we still probably haven't bottomed out with uh, within the game. So stability is very, very important. Uh, promotion from within we're seeing uh, quite often. You know, now with the FFA, Peter uh, separately, but has experience with um, FFV and also Perth Glory. Uh, but we are also seen club uh, Clubland as well. Uh, look on on the back of Rob Sherman's uh, comments, uh, we still are probably are not as clear as what I would like to see us be in terms of uh, moving forward with member federations and what that's going to look like so look tough job for for both people but both uh, you know showed um, really good initiatives in in their periods involved in the game and as Spider said you know they're they're Aussies so look let's get behind them the the national side of things uh, again is very very quiet at the moment due to COVID so a lot of Opportunity now uh, to really plan and prepare a really good future um, and try to allow our game to grow the way that we want it to grow. Okay, thanks, boys. Uh, let's move on. Our opening
0: segment, apart from Simon says, is Hard Talk. Hard Talk. Yeah, Hard Talk is brought to you in association with Streamgates, live streaming since 2008, specializing in custom built page streaming, pay per view. Complete virtual events and multilingual streaming. Their virtual room conferences can serve multiple destinations simultaneously and social media channels servicing clients Australia-wide. Go to streamgate.co or find them on Instagram. So, boys, the A-League finals are upon us. Already we've seen two very tight contests with just the one goal separating the combatants. Perth Glory seeing off Wellington 1-0 and Western United likewise over Brisbane Raw. Let's start with that first elimination semi. A rather disappointing end to Wellington's season, but I guess they were the club that really did it—the toughest of all through COVID, Maury.
2: Yeah, look, they they have, and although it's disappointing at this stage, you get to the finals, and uh, you certainly want to, uh, you know, get to to the grand final. Ulfi uh, Taylor, I think, has done a fantastic job with the Phoenix uh, this this year. Uh, he didn't come into a ready-made team. He he certainly was was able to to put his stamp. On the team, and Spider, you'll know yourself, mate, like to, to get a team to gel together as quickly as that and to have the season um, that Wellington have, have had. Uh, Uffi's done a, a fantastic job. Yes, like I says, they'll be disappointed to be, to be knocked out at this stage, but certainly you can't take anything away from what they've achieved this season.
1: I agree, Maury. I think Uffi's done a fantastic job with Wellington, and mate, it's finals football. Any, anything can happen uh, on a one off match. Uh, Wellington actually were a little bit unlucky because they, they come into it full of momentum and then they had a quick consecutive matches and then they didn't play for a while again and this the momentum sort of died off. Uh, they probably got the draw they wanted. They wanted to play Perth because everyone's been criticising Perth, how poor they've been and once again, my mate mm-hmm. Popper came up with some sort of plan to get a result. So, I mean, unlucky for Orfi, good luck for Popper and we move on, and Wellington will have some, definitely something to build on for next year.
0: We'll talk about uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Perth, obviously, in more detail, with Liam Reddy uh, in our final segment today. Just on yeah. Wellington, a couple of things. Ulfuk um, Talley is reportedly, I don't know if this is true or not, reportedly knocked back the Melbourne victory job. Uh, big call if he did. Yeah. Uh, right decision yeah. for you, Maury, if that was indeed the case?
2: Look, uh, yeah, if is uh, the, the big... Uh, part there in the the equation because yeah. I, I think that the Phoenix have obviously learnt um, from the Rudin situation, so I'm pretty sure that uh, Wellington Phoenix would have been uh, protected a lot better with Wolfie's contract. And you know, again, we talk about the current financial situation in our game. Uh, that would mean compensation to kind of get a manager of of Wolfie's uh, standard and plus with his contract. So look, I don't think it was an ever it was ever going to to happen. Uh, so, look, he's, he's at Wellington. He's done a, he's done a fantastic job and that, that will continue next season, which is a positive for Wellington Phoenix. Spider, I want to ask you about
0: uh, Liberato Caccaccia. We've spoken about him once or twice on this podcast. Looks like he's going to go to Belgium to join Um It's going to leave a big hole for Wellington at left back. Uh, they are turning into quite a nursery, aren't they? Sarprit Singh, of course, earned the club reportedly around a million dollars when joining Bayern Munich. And this is mm-hmm. the future for elite clubs if they're smart. Develop young talent and get the money in from transfer fees. So you just hope that Wellington are going to get a decent fee for Libby.
1: Yeah, I think he's had a fantastic season. The last couple of seasons, he's actually progressed well. And he's actually becoming a more mature player. So, which... All the matches that he's playing, he's getting better by each game, and now he's probably a fantastic opportunity for him to go. And obviously, Saint Trude and Muskie knowing him very well, uh, would like to jump jump the gun and get him before anyone else does.
2: Yeah, and look, Spider, he'll he'll, he'll do well. Uh, Kakachi has developed into uh, quite a reliable player at at, at a young age. Uh, he's a modern day uh, fullback. He, he's able to defend and do his job there, but certainly gives you that outlet and an option going forward as well. Uh, but look, I, I think in regards to New Zealand talent, I think one of the biggest um, benefits for New Zealand has been the the regular qualifications for major tournaments. So, they're younger uh, players. I mean, we talk about uh, Supreet Singh. Now, that was based on a, a really good performance at the Under-20 World Cup. Um, so, I think that because of their position uh, through Oceania and the qualification that they're getting for regular tournaments, I actually think uh, it's... It's put New Zealand and their players in a really, really good position. And their stock has gone up, uh, Simon, because, uh, you know, you start to get a reputation of producing these players. So, for New Zealand, hopefully, that you know, this will continue. Well, they've certainly got
0: uh, another couple uh, that look as though they're going to be next off the conveyor belt in Callum McAughton and Ben Wayne, maybe Callum Elliott as well. Uh, terrific stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, the Phoenix are out and heading back to New Zealand. Western United are not heading back to Victoria just yet. They're into the semi-finals in their first season. A remarkable achievement by Mark Rudin. And, uh, gee, what a free kick by Alessandro Diamanti! We'll get Spider's thoughts on whether there's a goalkeeping problem there from that set piece. But uh, I reckon Diamanti Mori, is the best imports the A-League has seen since Del Piero. I know that's a big call. I thought it was time
2: I made one. That's a, bit, it's a big call, but I've... I've... I've got to agree with you, Simon. I think, look, not not only does Diamante deliver on the football field, um, I just think it's the way that uh, that he carries himself. He he plays the game in in a in a manner that we all like to see. He's always looking to have fun. He's always got a smile on his face. He really seems to be a fantastic character. Look, we've touched on it before in terms of probably the lack of coverage of this type of player, and um, we'd love to see. Uh, uh, more coverage of these characters and Diamante had the opportunity although I believe it was knocked back a, a few years ago by the FFA but uh, he certainly came um, for Western United and he's an absolute pleasure to watch his free kick um from distance it uh, was fantastic but spider yeah you might have something to say about the um, that distance for a goalkeeper to concede.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I was, it was a great free kick. Uh, I don't blame Jamie Young at all. Uh, at the end of the day, the wall was set on that side. He needs to protect the other side. Diamante put some great whip of it on it. Uh, <laughs> he just couldn't get across to it. I, I reckon if you, if you watch the replay, just
0: before he starts his run-up, he, he gives Jamie Young the eyes. So he looks at his teammates as if to say, it's coming your way. And then, of course, goes the other side. Uh, it's a brilliantly executed free kick. Um, That's a long, a long
2: way to give him the eye, Simon. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, I, I to be fair, I don't know how good Jamie Young's eyesight is. He, maybe he needs glasses. <laughs> if, he, if he does, he probably didn't see it. But... Uh, Anyway, it, it was a terrific free kick. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we'll talk about Brisbane in a moment. Uh, but the injuries to Josh Risden and Andrew Durante late on that, that could hurt Western United because they've got a short turnaround to play um, uh, Melbourne City, who, of course, have, have been, you know, sat kicking their heels, waiting for this game. Yeah, semi-final.
1: I thought, thought Calver done his ankle right at the end as well. He went up for a, for a challenge and come down uh, on his ankle. So he could be another one that's that's at risk. So they don 't have much time to to recoup these players, but looking at Rudz's face, I think Risden looks like like oh no he 's out, so that 's going to be a really hard one to to replace Durante, old war horse i am I'm, I'm hoping that he can get himself up and right for one more one more fight, so yeah, hard players to replace in semi final that's for sure
0: let 's talk uh, Maury a little bit about brisbane um. Lack of creativity for them on the night. I thought they looked a bit better once Brad Inman came on. I don't know if you agree, but that, that seemed to be the problem for them. They couldn't really create anything. And Scott McDonald, who is who is their main source of goals, of course, was was somewhat peripheral because of that.
2: Yeah, and look, look, Brisbane have, have turned into a very, very patient team. Uh, the way they play their football this year, they kind of they, they they keep working it around and, and waiting for the opportunities brad Ibman is is one player though that does look to to get beyond that midfield and, and, and make those forward runs uh, into the to the deeper areas and, and ask questions of of the opponent 's defense so look he certainly was and is their their most creative player coming from midfield um, was introduced, but um, unfortunately it was too little too late uh, but again you 've got to say. The Ruhr have had a good season. Um, You know, there have been some challenges uh, since the restart. Warren Moon's come in and and done a good job. And again, they'll be disappointed to go out, but excited about what they can potentially do next season.
0: Okay, and uh, Brisbane players, of course, are heading back to Queensland where they're going to have to stay in isolation for another two weeks to stay in quarantine. I mean, this is just a never-ending saga, isn't it? Do you reckon that played any part at all in their loss against Western United Spider? Because the story did break about 24, 36 hours beforehand.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. But I feel sorry for him because they've been in this hub the whole time. Yeah. And they're actually getting tested. Every week. Every week they're getting tested. Now they get the opportunity to go back home and they've got to quarantine again. Like, How many tests do you want someone to do? Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that the AFL have had uh, something done for them. The NRL's had something done for them. I think Brisbane Raw and the A-League should have something done for them as well. But, we're the losers uh, again, Maury. Yeah,
2: yeah and, and, and with this one, I know it's, uh, it kind of broke quite late, but these are, I think they were trying to find solutions, Simon, for a good couple of weeks. Even uh, you know the last league match, there was talk about potential quarantine on on the way back to to brisbane so look it was something that they've obviously not been able to to find a solution for but yeah you know the players will be disappointed they've been in that hub for five weeks they've uh, you know protocol wise they've, they've they've done everything correct they've been tested on a weekly basis you would have thought common sense would have got them back home to brisbane and with their families as soon as possible
0: so, I have a brief look ahead to the semis because, of course, we're mindful that a, a lot of people downloading this podcast will have done so uh, post-Wednesday when we already know the results of uh, the two semi semifinals. Um, but in terms of Sydney-Perth, a repeat of last year's grand final, of course, you, you just wonder, with Sydney on their worst run of form in four years, if there's, if there's one coach that can mastermind a win over the reigning champions on their own turf, pretty much, I mean, it's in Sydney... It's Tony Popovich.
1: Yeah, and look, who's copped most criticism since the semis have started and since the start of the season post-COVID? It's been Perth. Uh, But once again, they found a way uh, to get a result against Wellington. They'll be looking forward to this game, 100%, because uh, we all know it's a grand final rematch. Uh, They want to get some sort of payback. Everyone thinks Sydney FC is on a downward spiral. Uh, it's going to be a cagey game. It's a really difficult one for me because I've got three really close friends coaching in the semi final, and I've got mm-hmm. one manager who I think has done an exceptional job with Melbourne City who I've tipped to win it. So it's a, it's a difficult one. But uh, I, I still think Sydney will get through. Uh, yeah. I hope Popper doesn't listen to this. Uh, <laughs> I still think Sydney will get through just because of the freshness. I think Sydney FC and Melbourne City are really ad- advantaged by the, by the break.
2: Yeah, and also Spider, I think uh, Sydney, although they have not performed since uh, the, the restart, you still look at their their firepower with Barbarus, Lafondre, Ninkovic, and my concern, as as much as uh, Popper has done a fantastic job, and again there there is the motivation to try and turn around last season's grand final win. I'm concerned defensively for Perth Glory. Rocket uh, was huge, um, obviously, in the last match, but he'll need to be, uh, again, because I think that Sydney FC might have a little bit of joy and fun against um, this weaker um, defence of of Perth Glory, just down to, to personnel. In terms of the other semi-final, Melbourne City and Western
0: United, uh, Spidey, you've said you tipped City to win the whole thing this year. Uh, so let's ask Maury, Can they finally shake off their tag of, of being chokers? Because it, on paper it looks, you know, if they don't do it this year, when are they going to do it?
2: At least reach the grand final. But you're thinking of you're thinking of Manchester City. Are you feeling a little bit sorry <laughs> for yourself? Uh, no, nah, but look, nah, look, Melbourne, Melbourne City, mate. Look, they, uh, Spider was it was a big shout early doors, but the the big fella loves a big shout, and and I certainly um, you know wasn't laughing at it. Melbourne City. With Jamie McLaren once again golden boot, and, and Jamie McLaren uh, when he's firing and has that confidence, not only does it give him the confidence, but as a team, you know that you can score goals and you can win football matches. Look, Melbourne City have a have a great opportunity, I think, to uh, to win the grand final this year. Um, do we? I mean, if, if they choke again, we're going to call them chokers. But <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, I think that they're good enough, um, and I've showed form-wise um, that they're good enough to. Uh, to put it all behind them and actually uh, lift the the toilet seat. What do they call it? Is it the toilet seat still? Yeah, the, the old the, golden the toilet
0: seats. yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, could, they could be thereabouts and, and Jamie McLaren could be lifting a, a prize that he's been looking to lift for, for a long time here in Australia.
0: Okay, let's uh, move away from uh, on-pitch action in Australia and talk... Uh, a bit, a bit about the, few, the issues around the game. Um, first of all, FFA reporting an increase in their digital footprint again this week. Uh, they seem to have been driving this message hard now for quite some time, which uh, we hope is is a portent of things to come. Um, there's rumours of a reboot of the A-League ahead of next season. We're still not 100% certain whether it's going to kick off in December. There's talk of January or possibly even February. Uh, what does next season look like? Uh, cast into your... Uh, an eye into your crystal ball, Spider. When do we kick off? W- what does the league look like, and are we going to be any closer to this uh, much talked about FFA TV?
1: Right. So we have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would say I would say the season won't start before February. That's that's my guess. Uh, the footprint, hopefully, it's the size of my foot, which <laughs> would be fantastic because there's a lot of uh, print. there's a lot of printing there is a lot there. of foot there to be. Fair. Oh, that's a big uh, foot. <laughs> So, A-League, 12 teams. B-League, 10 teams. That so could the be B-League's a... going to be up and running, is it? Well, we hope so. We hope so. Uh, salary cap down to about 1.8 million, maybe, Maury. Second division, 1 million. <laughs> that could be a possibility. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. We do know there's 12 teams in the A-League. We don't know, yeah. we don't know anything of a B-League at the moment. So, let, let's, let's see. Maury.
2: Yeah, and no, that's a tough one, Simon, because it is it is a question that we'd all love to to have answered. But I just think with you know with COVID and still no real certainty, um, yeah, December this year looks highly unlikely. Um, then when we start next year, um, the, the salary cap again. I'm having troubles in terms of trying to help uh, you know some players and having phone calls with clubs. And, and it's really, really difficult because the answers that you're looking for, there's just no clarity, and everyone seems to be sitting waiting to to hear exactly what's happening. And until, until clubs, um, you know, have that that, that concrete way forward, um, everyone's really in a difficult situation. So, I hope that the the decision comes sooner rather than later. Um, And the people that that need to make those decisions, I'm I'm sure behind the scenes are working extremely hard. But just for the the future of the game, we need it to come sooner rather than later. Mm.
0: Yeah, we sure do. Maybe we'll find out a bit more in the wake of the grand final, which of course is scheduled uh, for this coming weekend. Uh, James Johnson has also spoken out in an interview about a possible second division that we alluded to Mm. there. Um, He's sort of tentatively proposing... Conferences around the country that play half the season at state level and then move up to a national level in a group stage. Yeah. I mean, is that basically an expanded MPL's final system that we have now? Something like that. Something like
1: that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, his reference was Spines. I think his reference was uh, the CBF in terms of what happens in, in Brazil. So, the first half of the year in Brazil, they have a national championships. Um, so, that's basically like what we have in the, in the MP, MPL. Um, But the back half of the year, May through to December, they still have their CDR, B, C, D. They still have their division, Simon. So the the national competition runs the back end of the year. Um, Look, the coaches don't necessarily like the state championships, the first part of the year, because a lot of pressure on the the, the top clubs to to win all those matches. And, And coaches tend to lose their jobs in the state championships. But I see where James is going with this. I just hope, again, as Spiders touched on probably every single podcast, this second division is so, so important uh, and I, I, I believe so as well. And we need to get something set up um, and, and I think it can be set up for next year. Um, the interest has gone out in terms of expressions of interest to interested parties for, for a second division. Let's, let's, let's plough through this quickly as we possibly can 24-7. Do what we have to do. Sit in rooms. Let's make a decision. Let's have these uh, decisions made so that we know that next season it's possible. Next I year, guess, sorry.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the difference between here and Brazil would be the fact that the state uh, championships, if you want to call them that, would be uh, qualifiers uh, to get through to the national um, second division whereas in Brazil they, they play their state championships almost as a warm-up don't they for the, for the regular Correct. season and promotion and relegation is not dependent upon what you do in those state championships anyway it's an interesting idea and I, I think what everybody agrees is that at some point we need to have some form of a national second division uh, to to generate interest and to link all the tiers and get the whole ecosystem working together Rather than against each other, which is the way it seems to work at the moment. He's also plagued for te- uh, potential uh, changes to the overseas quota. Clubs, uh, rumored to want to expand uh, the, the foreign quota to seven, which I I thought ludicrous. No, was no. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, if anything, we should be going back the other way, should we? Three plus one is is my ideal. I don't know about Yeah, you, yeah, you.
1: We, we don't want seven uh, unless they got the idea that there's going to be no salary cap and they want to bring in players and. Pay they might whatever have they want. post-COVID, yeah. to be fair. But yeah. I, I think we have to go the other way. I think it's better if we go three and actually more Australian players get the opportunity. We've got to learn from what the other countries have done uh, that have been successful. And Japan was one of them. Uh, we're at five now. I think, we can, I think we can stay at five, Maury. I don't think we, yep. we have to go down to three. We can stay at five. I've been a big advocate uh, of no foreign goalkeepers in the league uh, yep. because we, we need to develop goalkeepers as well.
2: Yeah. and our 7 7 is crazy uh, if we go to 7 then um, um I'm extremely worried about what we've we've actually seen now in these uh, restarts is the the emerging young talent that we have that will take that opportunity away from these players and when you're bringing foreign players to australia you want to be bringing players that are better then and with the issues that we're going to have around about the finances spides that's not going to be the case so no. 7 for me would be absolute madness
1: no, I, I agree. I, look, I don't think it'll happen, Maury. Uh, I think people will jump up and down. that It just won't happen. I think everyone's seen clearly that there's plenty of Australians. Give them the opportunity. And that's why we want the second division as well. Opportunities.
0: Certainly, uh, in a post-COVID world, Seven would uh, appear not just uh, crazy but also perhaps unrealistic uh, given the lack of international travel at the moment. Um, Grant Brebner has got the job full time with Melbourne Victory, looks to have a big rebuilding job on his hands. We seem to have said this about Melbourne Victory for the last two or three seasons, which is rather strange for what I still believe is the biggest club in the country. He's already lost mm-hmm. Lawrence Thomas. He's going to lose Andrew Naboot to Perth. James Donaghy is going to the Newcastle Jets.
1: He's got a big job on his hands, hasn't he, at that club? Yep. But the one thing he does have in his favour, he knows the culture of the club. Mm. So, obviously, they've they've learnt from their mistakes, I think, uh, after Maskey, Maskey left. And I think a lot of people are going to have a look a little bit what Sydney FC done. And Bimby's probably a massive asset to why these clubs are going down that path now because when Arnie left Sydney, they were looking probably to go elsewhere and they went at home and they got Bimbi, and they've had great success and he's kept the culture of the club. And I think the other clubs are now starting to say, why are we paying extra when we've got our own here? So Brebs is a great opportunity. Uh, yep. Knows the club, knows the culture. I wish him all the best. And it shows, it shows how quickly Spide's football can change. I spoke
2: to Brebs probably about four or five weeks ago. Um, wasn't even, wasn't even in the hunt, uh, wasn't even putting his hand up for the gig, uh, but obviously, you know, through through the the restart and the, and the games, he's he's got that, that that taste for it, which which he's coaches do.
0: He's got the bug.
2: He's got he's got the bug, and and like I says, uh, you know, he he knows the club intimately. He's been there a long time, so that the culture and that that DNA what he's experienced, and 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 Simon, you alluded to it. What's probably been lacking in in the last season or two? Big rebuild. Uh, but Brebs, he certainly has experience uh, in terms of the way football is, not only here in Australia, but globally. Uh, and I think he's, uh, he's a good appointment for the football club. We wish him all the best.
1: Intimately? Is that the word you used? Oh, is, wow. that, is, that a, is that in your dictionary? Does that work? Does that, what's wrong <laughs> but, with intimate? Well, I don't know. I just was a little bit too close. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> a little Gosh.
1: bit loving there, Maury. And Carl, right. Viet, Carl Viet's another one.
2: Exactly the same at Adelaide. Yep. Exactly the same. Um, so again, he'll do, a, he'll do a great job. He's actually got a decent list of, of young talent. Um, and he's come in and, and showed that he could, he could lift this group of players and that they could perform for him. So look, that's, that's all that any club should be looking for. And that's what the fans want to see. So uh, yeah, enough for the same situation for Carl Viet. We wish him all the very best also.
0: And interesting now that we're down to just two foreign coaches in the A-League. That's uh, also partly down to COVID as well. Eric Mombare and Carl Robinson, uh, Melbourne City and the Newcastle Jets. Before we uh, move on to our overseas segment, a uh, Twitter question that's coming from Noel Hopper. Do we have a realistic chance of securing Lyndon Dykes for the Socceroos? And what are your views on him? Also, is Fran Karacic still uh, a shout of playing for the national team? Any thoughts, boys?
2: Look, in terms of the national team, uh, look, the um, Lyndon Dykes is a, is is a, is a separate one, I think. In terms of you know, there is the the, the battle between Scotland and uh, and Australia, both uh, vying for his services. Lyndon's done very well in terms of his progression uh, in Scotland, and and now obviously got his move move to to QPR. I'm not sure what conversations Arnie's had with, with Lyndon Dykes. He's a he's a big, strong. Uh, type of striker that leads the line well occupies the two central defenders um, so i'm sure they' you know if he continues to perform great uh Karisic, look he's like a lot of other players that um just with the lack of international clarity in terms of the games and the schedules uh, a lot of a lot of players just need to keep playing week in week out as best as they can simon to put themselves in the frame for that next opportunity whenever that may come
0: He certainly seemed to be in the frame a while ago, didn't he, under uh, Graham Arnolds, but uh, obviously the international scene has uh, died a bit of a death, unfortunately, due to COVID. Thanks for the moment, boys. Let's move away from the local game and head overseas. London calling. Well, again, not quite London calling this week, but Lisbon and the Champions League final between Bayern and PSG. Not quite the golf fest we expected, but... uh, Bayern-worthy champions, in your opinion, Mr
2: Moore? Look, on the night, you probably got a little bit lucky, as they they did uh, potentially in the the semi-final. But what you can't argue with is going through a a whole campaign uh, without losing a match. Um, So, the history books are going to say that Bayern Munich are the winners. I I certainly have uh, no issue with that. I think they performed uh, extremely well. You know, will PSG think it's a missed opportunity? Uh, Look, I think they probably will. But fair play to Bayern Munich.
0: Manuel Neuer made some excellent saves. Spider, is he the best goalkeeper in the world
1: once again? Yeah, ain't it funny? Uh, he's, He's always been a fantastic goalkeeper. He plays for a big club, so you expect him to do those kind of things. But you know, those kind of moments in matches actually win championships and win trophies, and that's why he's paid so much. Because he actually is a fantastic goalkeeper.
2: And and just on the the goal scorer, Kingsley Coman. That's his twentieth trophy at the age of just twenty four. What a record.
0: Ridiculous, yeah. Um, to, talking to Bayern Munich, Spider, you actually made your debut in the Champions League against uh, them in the first leg of the round of 16, 2006. Dida came off injured, you came on, and you're up against a strike force of Claudio Pizarro, Roy Mackay, zeroberto Michael Ballack, Hassan Saleh Hamidzic. That yeah, must have been bad.
1: quite intimidating. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was. It was actually a game that we everyone thought we were going out of the Champions League, and we. We put on a fantastic performance, but uh, yeah, they had some big game. They had some big players, but so did we.
0: Maury, you but you played fourteen times in the Champions League as well uh, for Rangers. You played Manchester United and also Bayern Munich, home and away on their route to the final in nineteen ninety nine. And and doing my research, your debut mm-hmm. in the Champions League nineteen ninety five away to Juventus, and it only took you fifteen minutes to score on your debut.
2: Yeah, one to forget. One to forget. <laughs> <laughs> it was a no nah. wasn't it? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, look, I, don't, I mean, did it go down as an angle? I'm in the wall. I think it was a ravenelli free kick and uh, certainly it's come off me and uh, off the bottom of my foot and change, change direction and nestled in the the, the the back of the net, which wasn't fantastic. That was Juventus, yeah, at 95, very, very strong. Viali and Ravinelli up top. And, and, a, and a player called Del Piero that went okay at that stage as well.
0: And a player called Antonio Conte, who actually played in there as well. Now, he was involved in the Europa League final, uh, which preceded the Champions League final. Sevilla with their magnificent six, all in the last... Uh, 14 years. Congratulations to them. Uh, It doesn't appear as though Antonio Conte is going to be with Inter next season. He's involved in a meeting with the board today. We're recording this uh, on Tuesday. Uh, And it doesn't look as though he's going to be the coach there next season, which to me seems extraordinary. He's just finished second in the league. He's got them to Europa League final. All right, they didn't win it. But he's turned their fortunes around.
1: Uh, he's He's been fantastic for Inter. He's given us some stability. And what he's given him is some guidance. Uh, look, they, they finished only one or two points behind Juve for the championship. They got to the UEFA Cup final. It's a fantastic first year, and for him not to be there it must be something to do with the players that he wants to bring in or the direction of the club because he's very strong-minded uh, and he wants to win. So, fingers crossed for Inter supporters. And Maury, there was a funny
0: moment at the end of the Europa League final where uh, Eva Banega teased him about his hair, uh, <laughs> calling it a wig. Uh, what was the funniest banter you ever received? You can chime in oh, as, as well, Spider. It. The funniest banter you ever received or gave out on the pitch?
2: It's a tough one. I tried to have banter every, every game that I played. And normally when I was playing against a striker and if he took a, a bad touch or if I beat him in the, the air with a header or... Basically, if he wasn't having a great day, I'd, I'd kindly let him know that um, his, dugout, his bench at the other two strikers were warming up and that he didn't have long left. <laughs> so, so, for the, so for the rest of the game or, or whatever, it just I got into his head normally, uh, which meant that I kind of
1: had an easier afternoon. Yeah, I, I had one with Inzaghi when I was playing for Perugia. And then when I actually signed for, for Milan, uh, I continued it on. So I, I put Inzaghi in hospital for, for two days. So he was scared shitless of me more. He said every time at training, the ball would be miles away and all I'd make the noise like, shh, that I was coming close yeah. to him, mate. He'd just jump in the air, mate. He <laughs> was, like was like a cat on a, on a hot tin roof, mate, I'll tell you. Oh, brilliant. Um, Spider, just
0: finish off this segment on the European stuff with uh, the Champions League, going back to that uh, tournament, uh, you brought in your wonderful mementos today, the mini European Cup and your winner's medal from the final between AC Milan and Liverpool back in 06-07. Uh, that must be your best memory in football. I know you sat on the bench, you, you were number two to Dida, but you were involved in such a huge day for, for the football club.
1: Yeah, look, uh, as a player, Maury would know this as well. When you get to those big occasions, they're they're actually so surreal. And when you think back now, that's 13 years ago that we won it. Uh, And you watch these games and you think, wow, that that was an unbelievable day. I'll never forget when we won it, uh, the delight in the dressing room and the three days of partying and when we actually flew black. Flew back to Milan. The amount of people at the airport, and then we did the uh, the tour of Milan to get into the uh, Duomo. And all the supporters were there. Like it was three days of of absolute just partying, and then I got on a plane to come back to Australia. I don't recall leaving Milan Airport. All I remember was touching down in Sydney. It was it was unbelievable. It was just the days, but they were, they were great memories. Yeah,
0: memories that set all players. Love to have um, a word on Asia. Seven-goal thriller between Ange's Yokohama F. Marinos and Pete Klamovsky's Shimizu in the J League. Uh, no relegation in the J League this year, which uh, I imagine <laughs> it suits uh, yeah. both those coaches, but particularly Pete Klamovsky in his first job because his
2: team can play with uh, abandon. That was a great game to watch. It yeah, looked very, very entertaining. And look, the J League is quite a—it's quite an open league, isn't it? I mean, Ange had the success uh, last season, uh, but. Yokohama Marinos are finding it a little bit harder this season, um, which, again, shows you the type of competition that it is. I think they're sitting in eighth position. Uh, Pete's sitting down in 16th position, so no relegation will be music to to his ears at this moment in time. But, look, it, it's like any league in the world. If you can get on a, a, a run of results, you know you pick up three, four, five uh, results, and you climb the ladder pretty quickly. But, no, look, I thought it was a fantastic... Um, evening for, for two uh, fantastic Australian ambassadors to put on such an entertaining game of football. Great stuff.
0: Excellent. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, another little bit of news from Asia. VAR is to be introduced for the Asian Champions League quarterfinals onwards. Joy unbridled for football <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear> oh. me! <laughs> when are we going to do away with this, boys? Depression. Yeah. Massive yeah. Depression. Let's move on. Time to head to our final section footballer's Lives. Footballers Lives. And joining us on Footballers Lives this week, a goalkeeper who's famously had more clubs than Jack Nicholas, but like a fine wine, seems to just get better with age. He's now 39, at the peak of his powers with Perth Glory, and he's quite a character to boot. And he's busy preparing for a semi-final against Sydney FC on Wednesday. So we're very grateful to Liam Reddy for taking time out to talk to us. How are you, Rocket?
3: I'm good, thanks for having us. Um, Yeah, uh, I uh, definitely have more clubs than Jack Nichols, but I've enjoyed my time at all of them.
0: Um, Let's start by going back to the beginning. You're from a big sporting family. Uh, Your dad, Rod, from where you get the Rockets, nickname was a former Rugby League international. Your brother played league. Uh, Your sister was an elite netball player. That must have been uh, quite a competitive family (laughs) that you grew up in.
3: What what happened yeah, what happens to you? Is. At... <laughs> uh, it, it still is. Um, yeah, whenever we get together, uh, we don't like losing. What happened to me? <laughs>
1: you
3: know me well, Maury. I'm very competitive. <laughs> um, yeah, look. Uh, yeah, we're very competitive. But uh, I, uh, I think I'm the fortunate one. I chose the right sport because uh, the old man's banged up. And uh, my brother's definitely banged up as well. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I think I'm the smart one out of a lot of them.
0: Um, we had a question, uh, Rocket, from Ben Archer on Twitter, who, who did ask, "How much pressure was there to get involved with rugby league, given your dad's success in that sport?" Was was that the sport you played
1: first? Uh, of it all? was
3: none, to be honest. Um, yeah, there was none, to be honest. Uh, my old man's a really big Arsenal fan, and and actually uh, names me after Liam Brady, um, believe it or not. So uh, he uh, he loves his football, um, and you know we uh, I it was. Fortunate enough to, to live over there in my younger years, uh, when the old man finished his career in Australia, we moved over there for uh, four years for him to finish his career and, and start his coaching career, and that's where I um, took up football. And uh, when I came back to Australia when I was ten, uh, continued to play both rugby league and and football, and um, you know really just enjoyed football more. Uh, and you know he's always been supportive of that, uh, even my brother Joel who played rugby league, played football until he was uh, 17 years old. And uh, he made the choice uh, after year 12 of high school to pursue rugby league. So we've never had any pressure on what sport we should should or shouldn't play. Uh, he's always been supportive of whatever we've done. And
0: uh, does that uh, Arsenal supporting lineage continue with you? Are you a, a gooner
3: as well? No, I'm not. I'm a big Liverpool fan and uh, can't wipe the smile <laughs> off my face. Uh, I, lived, I lived in... <laughs> I lived in England uh, in the glorious, uh, you know, the 87, 88, 89 era. Ian Rush, John Barnes, uh, Bruce Grobbler, uh those sort of players, uh, you know, watching those sort of players uh, really, um, you know, got me, um, you know, into football and, and, and has uh, pursued my love of football. Uh, so, I've... Fortunate that I've got three kids. Two of them are Liverpool supporters and one, unfortunately, goes for your team, Simon. Uh, <laughs> hey. and, uh, but, you know, we, uh, we always have the one that is the black sheep, I suppose.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll get the question of the, the week out of the way and then we'll, we'll sort of move on more specifically to your playing career. <clears throat> Our question of the week this week comes from Boz on Twitter. Uh, he Congratulations, Boz. You win a $100 voucher from Outback Steakhouse. We'll get that to you. Um, he asks, what, what were your memories of your days with the old Parramatta Power at the outset of your career. And then coming back to play at the same stadium
3: uh, with the Wanderers. Yeah, uh, it was really exciting. I came out of the OAS um, and and uh, came out and I left in the December. So, the the Parramatta Power had been going for six months. Uh, and it was exciting. Um, you know, Obviously, being at the OAS where you're in a full-time environment. Uh, obviously, you're doing school, but you're training full-time. It was perfect for me because of Power was uh, offering a full-time environment, also, so um, it was it was great to be in that environment. Um, uh, it was it was an interesting time because they were new, um, but I just felt, looking back now, they were probably five years ahead of themselves, uh, and and maybe the NSL wasn't ready for for that. Um, but I enjoyed my time there, and you know, playing uh, in front of uh, probably not the biggest. Bigger support base uh, because we, we, we didn't have that at the time, but it was a it was a good environment and I really enjoyed playing there. Played with some fabulous players, uh, you know, Milo Sturjoski, Jacob Burns, who's now with the Glory, um, Alex Tobin, a uh, legend of the game. Uh, you know, those sort of players really helped my development and uh, being a how to be a professional footballer and how to how to conduct yourself and and obviously. Having the longevity of a longevity of a career, you know, I mean, I remember Alex Tobin, you know, he's a record games holder for, for an Australian player. And, um, you know, watching him and how he conducted himself uh, on the training pitches uh, really helped me throughout my career.
0: The and then obviously the- returning with the West Sydney. Yep. Yep.
3: Returning with the West Sydney, it was a good experience. It was fantastic to obviously play back at, uh, at, at the ground. And I think the people of the West really need, did need their own team the success they've
0: had. So the NSL obviously finished in 2004. Season one of the A-League comes along. You're with the Newcastle Jets. Uh, You conceded the very first goal of the new competition to Carl Vier. That that seemed to become a habit down the years with a lot of these landmark goals. (laughs) You were just the unfortunate goalkeeper that seemed to be. That's unbelievable. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. know That that speaks to my longevity or I really don't want to... (laughs) uh, the next, the next, the next one that co- the next one that comes around, uh, I'm making sure that I won't be letting the coach know that it's uh, coming around because he might not play me that week. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, it's uh, something I look back at. Uh, to be involved in the first a- to be involved in the first A League game is something special. Um, and as you said, you know, uh, it was a really difficult period uh, for an Australian footballer at that time. You know, it was 18 months uh, without without uh, playing. On a national competition and uh, to be involved in the first year. But also, I look back at my uh, NSL days very fondly. Um, you know, I finished the NSL with Sydney United, who I played my juniors with also. So, um, you know, that was very special for me to, to represent that club as Spiders uh, played for. And it, that club still means a lot to me. My, uh, my two oldest boys played for that, that club as juniors too when I lived in Sydney. And... Um, and I think uh, it's it's good to see, um, you know, those clubs now obviously in the NPL, but hopefully we can uh, see them uh, rise again in, in divisions and national competitions uh, soon.
0: After you left the Newcastle Jets, uh, Rockets, you then uh, met up with a certain Craig Moore. He had three years with Brisbane, uh, but both of you sort of fell victim to, to the Ange-Postacogli purge. What are your memories of... Of your three years in in the Sunshine State,
2: plenty of fun. Yeah, I
0: loved it. Um, I, uh, yeah,
3: plenty of fun. We had plenty of good times. But uh, look, I, I look back at it as uh, you know, we we just fell one game short of uh, of obviously uh, making a making a grand final, and and then obviously one game short, I think, uh, of winning the league. So Is that against Adelaide, Rob. It was it was successful, but we just didn't get that trophy. We just didn't get that trophy. What was that, mate? Was that against Adelaide? Adelaide, correct. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, I was injured actually. I had a broken thumb, um, and uh, unfortunately, we got beat. Uh, I think Danny Teata might have seen some red yeah, miss that, might've, day. might have thrown a <laughs> t- t- cheeky um, uppercut on uh, Travis Stott, I think we we, we got beat. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I look back fondly. Um, you know, obviously uh, you mentioned uh, Maury, I enjoyed playing with him, and uh, it was uh, it was good. I always remember, um, and it's something I've always brought with me now. And I, I always talk to my my centre halves. Uh, when anyone has a shot, I'm always making sure that the centre halves is the first one there because uh, every time uh, an attacker had a shot, Maury's I always always his black Nike Tiempo's in front of me. So it was it was safe knowing that if I did spill it, he'd be there to mop it up for me. But um, I really enjoyed my time in Brisbane. Uh, it was a great place to live, and it was, a, and it's a fantastic football club. Uh, yeah, and it was just my time to move on, and um, you know, uh, there was an opportunity to go to Sydney FC and, and move home, uh, and that was something that me and my wife uh, wanted to take up. We had two young kids at the time, and we wanted to be close to family.
2: Rocket, you touched you touched on the time there. Look, I obviously first time I met you when I when I'd come back to, to Australia and. Uh, we had a we had a fantastic team and and as you mentioned we were a little bit unlucky um we didn't probably get the success um that that come later on at the football club mate i wanted to to touch base in ter- terms of remember the caricatures that we um that we had up in the dressing room yeah right so uh, imagine yeah, the car- so the caricatures did you have you taken that across to to you with perth and if you have um Who's got the bigger ears in the caricature, yourself or, or Tony
3: Popovich? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I do remember the caricature. Funny enough, I, uh, I was doing a clean-out the other week uh, before I came over. We had in the COVID uh, lockdown. I was doing a clean-out and I found an old one of Robbie Cruz uh, and uh, it brought back... Uh,
2: Oh, a lot what of was fun memories, but yeah,
3: we, we did the Mr. Mr. I, was still a bit up, I was still a bit upset with your one, actually, Mr. Squiggles. Yeah, and um, no, we haven't been uh, haven't done them over here in Perth. Um, obviously, you know, the younger generation might not take it as well as uh, we did back then. Um, but yeah, I think I think my ears are bigger, but I think the boss's ears might stick out a bit more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've got to tell us what Maury's uh, caricature is now, Rocket.
3: Well, no, actually, I, I got upset because uh, it was a it pretty much... Uh, it was a, a, a piss take of every football player in the club. So mine had massive ears. Uh, you know, Charlie Miller had a big... big um, Bob It was, uh, was huge. Danny Teardo's nose was five times the size of his head. Uh, you know, <laughs> and and uh, I think, Ma- Maury, we wanted actually... Uh, uh he, he the the guy said I can't do anything to Craig Moore because he's a legend of Australian football oh. and he was the only one that escaped it was <laughs> I was devastated <laughs>
0: uh,
3: but yeah it was uh it was all in good fun and uh we they used to hang him uh just above our lockers uh to try to make the change rooms feel a bit more homely because we sh- we shared it at uh at Ballymore at the time with the Queensland Reds
1: mate rocket oh, i'm Pissing myself laughing here, just listening to the used to talk about this kind of stuff. But we did we we did touch on it just before the younger generation. Why do you not think they can accept this kind of stuff?
3: Uh, I don't know. I think um I think they get cut, cuddled too much and and uh, probably told that they're great. Um, and it's it's strange. I and I think it's a society issue. It's not a it's not football. It's uh, it's in society. Um, you know I remember. I think now you, you've got to be very careful how you speak to them. Uh, and as a senior player, here, even here, you know we have uh, senior players in our club that we, we... I can have an argument with Neil Kilkenny, for instance, on the field. And we can call each other any name under the sun and we know it's because we want to see each other be better but also that we want the team to be better. Now, I can't talk to someone like that Who's a bit younger because they might actually take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's not personal. We all want to win, but it's just now this younger generation has come through, and maybe they've been, uh, you know, the the arm around them a little bit too much. May I never got that as a kid. I got it straight facts. Uh, I was fortunate that my old man told me if I played well or played bad. But that's how it is, and uh, I always appreciated that honesty. Um, you know, I'd rather be told straight than than told. You know, not lies, but you know soften the blow tell me what do I need to be better what I need what I've done right or wrong I just think now the kids um, you've got to be very careful with them and that's not just in football that's in uh, in society I know I just talking to my dad about rugby league he had the same issues uh, with coaching you know the younger generation coming through they had to be a bit softer on them Uh, and my brother experienced it with rugby league uh, in, in the change room as well the 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 kids coming through are a lot different. And you'd you'd see that yourself, Spider coaching. Um, You know, their their characters are a little bit different. Just how it is. Uh,
0: Rocket, with that in mind, let's ask you an an honest question. There has been accusations in your career, which I've had lots of ups and downs at various clubs. And you have been in a lot of clubs. There was a particular incident with yep. Sydney FC where where you, you your contract was terminated over there, and there's been rumours of fallouts of lots of, uh, lots of different clubs, but the Sydney FC incident, what happened honestly there, and is that something that you you bitterly regret?
3: Yeah, I don't. I, I regret the I regret what happened, and there's no look. I, I we had a game in Wellington, uh, a semi final, and I we went two days before the game, and and I drank. Uh, I drank on. I drank before the flight, and then I drank on the flight. Uh, there's no hiding behind that. Uh, I've admitted that. Um, and again, if you ask me, I'll, I'll t- as I'm telling you now, I'll tell you the truth. It was definitely the wrong thing to do. Um, I wasn't probably in the right state of mind, but I made that mistake, and uh, you know I've had to live with those consequences because they have hung around me, uh, and they did for the probably. Uh, uh, it affected me obviously for the next four or five years because everyone kept bringing it up. Um, and still now people bring it up, but that's life. Uh, I actually enjoy the bit of banter that I cop off uh, fans about it. Um, yeah, look, I look back and, and do I regret it? Yes. But I'm one of those people that always look at the positive and, you know, I got to, uh, I got a, a moved to the central coast a year later and got to work uh, under Arnie and, and John Crawley. And then, um, you know, obviously left that club in, in circumstances that uh, still uh, were, as you said, uh, a bit not suspicious, but uh, not good. And, and, and the reason I left that is because I didn't feel that football club was going in the right direction. And, and I'm one of these people that I won't sit back and uh, accept that because I want to win. Um, and, and I thought that what was happening, at that football club was wrong. Um, have I been proven right well they've won four wooden spoons out of five years so yeah. I don't know maybe I have but you know I, I, um, I thought that the best thing was to go to, to West Sydney and um, and go there and, and, and try to win something there and unfortunately we fell one game short um, you know that that's it that but I'm one of those people that I'm very honest and, and I'll say it how it is and if you ask my opinion I'll tell you I'm not going to lie to you um, and I feel that the coaches that I've had in my career, the ones that have brought the best out of me, work exactly the same. And that's why, um, you know, I really enjoy working with uh, with, with Popper because he's exactly the same. He, his mentality is the same. He'll tell you how it is. And, and for me, that's what I want. That's what gets the best out of me. And, um, you know, those coaches that I've had, uh, Frank Farina, uh, Graham Arnold for the short time that I had him, um, you know, those coaches are of the same ilk and they're the ones that have definitely got the best out of me. Uh,
2: in my career, Rocket. We've all look. We've all had falls throughout, throughout our career, but it's how we how we pick ourselves up, and, uh, and you've done that in a in a remarkable fashion. Um, mate, I've spent time with you even over in Perth, and it's actually your level of professionalism now um, that that puts you in such a, a good position, um, and and I believe uh, can have you playing for a good few years yet. Um, how important is off the field now in
3: terms of the way you
2: look after yourself, especially as you get older?
3: Yeah, it's massive. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. I think it was probably the best thing to happen. Talking to the Sydney event, I think it was the best thing to happen for, my, for me for my career because it did make me uh, ask myself a tough questions about how I'm living away from the field and the decisions I made um, that not only impacted me but impacted my wife and my uh, kids um so uh going to Central Coast and then obviously thinking okay look you know me well Maury and and Spider that I love a good time and and I still do but it's a time and a place uh when when the time and the place is to have it um and I think the best thing to happen to me was actually the six months I spent at West Sydney because uh and Spider can probably add to this uh, I got there at uh, 92 kilos. I, I actually <laughs> dropped two kilos to get to 92. And I, I turned up first day. And uh, the skin folds and got on the scales. And uh, and and, and Popper said, you will not play for me unless you're 86 kilos. Now, I went straight away. So, I can be 86.9? Is that okay? Uh, no, no. <laughs> under 86. Like, so, I'm obviously all right. Okay. So, you know, there was prices i had to 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 make um but that six months has actually set me up for what i think the next you know five to ten years because i'm now playing at 86 kilos um my skin folds are the lowest i've ever been in my career um that mindset of what he thought i needed to do well he knew that what i needed to be at and it's just so important i feel the older you get the actual you've probably got to start dropping uh, you know, whether it be half a kilo or a kilo every year, um, after you're thirty-five to continue to keep playing at, at the level you wanna play at. Um and you know, that's diet, um, you know, uh the food you eat is so important and then obviously sleep and all that comes into it. But don't get me wrong, I still enjoy uh still enjoy Christmas parties, I still enjoy, you know, uh, a good night out with the boys, but it's just in moderation and there's a time and a place for it, uh, which is, um, you know, now. But yeah, I think that six months at West Sydney and Spider was there. He can, he can uh, agree or yeah, disagree, rocket. but um, that six months, I think, has really set me up for the next five to ten years of uh, professional football.
1: Yeah, and look, I'll admit, Rocket, I loved killing you that period because I actually wanted to get you into shape. <laughs> so it was very enjoyable. And I know you are cursing me after every session. And I was lucky enough to actually work with you. And people who don't know you, what kind of professional you are. And the questions we asked of you at Western Sydney has actually set you up. And we always say that it takes a kick up the backside to actually wake you up. You wouldn't have had the career you had now if you weren't a professional. And the way you work, I, I actually think you've got better as you've got older, but not just as a goalkeeper, as a person, as a leader on the park, everything. And that's a credit to one person, Rocket. That's a credit to you because you could have actually just said, I'm not doing this. Mate, he can, he can say, I've got to be at 86 kilos, mate. I ain't doing it. You bought in and you actually reaped the rewards. So the the, the that's on you, mate. And that shows what kind of professional you are. I
3: uh, appreciate sure that. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's... People ask me, I actually wish I had someone like that when I was 21, 22 even. Um, because I remember playing, I remember, I weigh 86 kilos now. I remember playing at 96, 98 kilos. Now, you just didn't have that. Uh, when I was coming through, the information about the diet and, and all that sort of stuff, it just wasn't there uh, in, in, in football. And, um, you know, the I remember the gym programs were get big. If you're a goalkeeper, it was get big and get as big as you can. And now it's... It's nothing like that that's yeah, I still do weights you know two, three times a week, but' it's, it's uh, you know low weights, it's high repetitions, it's just to stay strong and, and agile
0: Liam, you seem to have finally found a a proper home in Perth you've been there for four years, which is by far your longest spell uh, at any one club you You are absolutely terrific in the elimination <laughs> final win against Wellington Phoenix, another one of your former clubs. I think you made eleven saves in total. Uh, a, a double-edged question here: How many more years can you keep playing, or do you want to play? And secondly, is this your best chance of of finally getting that elusive grand final winners' medal with with glory?
3: Yeah. Um, to answer your first question, um, you know, I feel uh, really good uh, mentally and and physically, and 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 it's something that um, you know I always say that. Uh, if anyone asks me, I actually think I've got the best job in the world. Um, you know, I, I love getting out of bed and going to training and, and, and playing games. Uh, I love that feeling on match day with the nervous energy in your stomach. And that's something, uh, when that goes away, that, that, that'll that tell me that it's time to, to hang them up. But uh, at the moment, I feel that I can play for at least another two or three years. And then after that, we'll see what happens. Um, in, in, to answer your question, I think we've got a, a great chance. I mean, um, it, it's it's funny. Uh you know the season finishes, and then now it's a it's a knockout competition, and uh, as we know, last year it can be cruel. Um, you know, we losing uh, it still bugs me. Last year, losing that grand final, and and actually not even having to make a save because there was no shots on target, um, and and somehow walk away uh, losing that game. Uh, it still bugs me. But you know, I think with this with this squad, uh, we definitely do have a, a fantastic opportunity to wreck the, to. To, to rectify last year and, and and hopefully go that one step further and uh, and lift the uh, championship.
0: Okay, let's let's finish off with some uh, Twitter questions if we can. Uh, this is a good one from Scott Greenwood. Did did you ever have any opportunity or interest in playing overseas? Didn't you go to Iran for a very short spell with Esteglal or is or is that just something that appears on Wikipedia?
3: No no I was I was actually there. Uh, <laughs> I uh I actually went there after yeah, I went there after I uh, got sacked from Sydney FC so um I went over there and um I was uh signed by them. They uh, at the time uh, I went over there as a number 2 goalkeeper. Uh the the national team goalkeeper at the time and uh, and club captain was the number 1 keeper. Um I really enjoyed my time there. It was a fantastic city and um uh, fantastic people um but in Asian football, especially, uh, sometimes uh, the payments don't uh, hit the bank account quite right. And uh, I had to, I left there, I came home uh, after six months and uh, five and a half years later, I finally got my money through FIFA. But um, it was a good experience and something that, uh, you know, uh, I can probably, it's a, it's a story to tell, I suppose, because not many players get to play uh, in, in Iran, but I can assure you it's a beautiful country and uh, they love their football
2: on that though, rocket, it is look, it's it's educational story in terms of some of the challenges that players do have when they when they go overseas and, and certain countries in terms of you know clubs maybe don't pay or they pay late. I think we've seen overnight the last day or two Musti Amini uh, being caught in in Turkey. So with your experience there, was was there an early sign or 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 uh, was this you know were there any red flags before you actually didn't get paid? Or just, again just for education for younger players because as time goes by more and more players are going to be looking to overseas
3: yeah definitely there was uh, I remember when I, I went there it was uh, uh, I was going to get paid thirty uh, percent up front uh, of my contract and I only got fifteen percent now that was a red flag straight away Um uh, at the time, I, I had no other option in terms of where I was going to go because uh, the A League was full, and, and I'd obviously um, my reputation taken a bit um, in the A League, and no one really wanted to touch me. Um, so I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I had to. I took the fifteen percent and and took their word that I was going to get the rest of the money, and uh, I, I went by myself. So I needed to support my my wife, Christy, and uh, at the time. Um, we had two kids, so I sent the money back home for them for the for the time, and that was definitely a red flag. And I thought, you know, you as a footballer, you're trying to think best case scenario all the time and be positive. And it's like, oh well, it'll come, it'll come. And by the November, I hadn't received the next payment, and I'm like, things aren't uh, things aren't right. And then um, by the December, the the next payment was due, and it hadn't come. And that's when uh, I, I went through uh, obviously the help with the help of the PFA. Uh, we went through the legal avenue and and it took me uh yeah just on five and a half years to actually get uh the money that was owed to me um, It was a stressful time uh as a as a footballer, obviously because I had no money coming in and 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 then um but yeah it's 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 still happening as we know with have mostly now just it's happening now and it it's definitely a warning for players that want to go overseas to you make sure that those things are. Uh, rectified early. And if you do see a a warning sign that you get onto it straight away, because, uh, you know, obviously in my situation, it it did take a while to get that money.
0: Liam, we're almost out of time. And we know you've got training to come this afternoon. So, we've got two more Twitter questions to finish off. Uh, Dave Picken asks, uh, what's the best save you've ever seen as a goalkeeper? Or maybe you, you made it yourself. Is it the Gordon Banks one for England against Brazil? I know you're probably a bit young to remember that, but I'm sure you've seen it.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, got you want Uh yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, you know what? I, I love, I love the Mike, uh, the the uh Schmeichel save, uh the the photo where he's spread out. I just, I, I like that one. I just, that's a, you know, the one where he just, he's just, he looks imposing. And even though I was a Liverpool fan growing up, uh, you know, I was a big. Uh, Schmeichel fan because I just love the way he, and the presence that he had in goals and uh you know that one for me um was a fantastic save because it just it just let those strikers know that hey you've got to be good to beat this guy um but yeah the Gordon Banks one's a you know, it's a famous save and it's been shown and every goalkeeper's seen it um because it you know I think it probably adds to it that it was a Pele header and uh it's yeah, it's in a world Cup so yeah that's definitely a fantastic save also
0: okay and the last one from Nick also via twitter a bit of a cheeky one uh, what's the best club you've played for given you've played for almost all of them
3: i' <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll save perth glory uh, because i'm I've played I've played a hundred games for the club and that's the first time I've actually done that at, uh, at a football club but uh, yeah I think Perth um, you know I've enjoyed my time at all different clubs and you know um uh, had fantastic times and I, and I actually when people ask me you know you've played with so many clubs i actually wouldn't change anything because and you know, i've got to meet different people uh, from other clubs uh, and made and, and formed lifelong friends and friendships and and uh at those clubs and so i enjoy going to games now where i've played and you know i always know someone from the uh opposition team now it's generally i've known someone from the staff now because they've all retired but uh it's uh it's it's something that i'll look back and uh, you know i'm proud that i've played for for seven seven uh a league clubs and you know i've enjoyed my time at all but if you're going to ask me i'll probably say perth because i've played here the longest and uh and and i've also won a, a premiership here and hopefully uh a championship uh in in a week
0: Rocket, we hope to see you uh, keeping goal for another few more years yet. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us. And uh, we wish you all the very best in what remains of uh, the finals in the A-League this season. Cheers, mate. Rocket, good Hello, luck, thanks son. Thanks for having me on,
2: guys. All good
3: the
0: best. To you, Thank you, boys. Like- Thank you. Yeah great stuff and that is us for another week thanks to all of you for downloading us and following us for watching our clips on twitter and facebook and youtube we're now up to nearly nine and a half thousand downloads of our episodes and our twitter following continues to grow up to almost 1500 tell your friends spread the word and thanks of course to our great sponsors stringate and outback steakhouse we'll be back same time same place next week for another shim spider and so much more see you then